Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? was that dude you pick the music you tell me actually you know that's a song called agadoo from 1984 and it's here to help us introduce this week's topic on stuck in the 80s and what topic is that steve songs that make us want to drive an ice pick through our eardrum tunes that make me question the very basis of our friendship no the biggest turkeys of the 1980s as god is my witness I thought turkeys could fly. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You, you, listener, can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. See intelligence. And as always, we plead, please, if you love our show, Share the links on social media. Hey, hey, you know, I actually noticed some people actually did that, that this week. I really appreciate That's that. That's a nice touch. And uh, don't forget, you can also like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. The NBC Thanksgiving Comedy Weekend starts tonight. First, join the Cosby family for a comedy feast. That's not a turkey. That's a cabbie. Followed by a different world. Would you let me? Pen on Cheers. You can't spend your life dressed up like Mark Twain. Why not? He did. And Hill Street's Bruce White's in Mama's Boy tonight. Steve, joining us this week, she has never been a jive turkey, no matter how close to Thanksgiving it is, Jen with one N. That is very seasonally appropriate for an introduction. Thank you, Brad. I'm here to help. Hi. Is it is it Thanksgiving weather up where you're living, Jen? It is friggin' like New Year's Eve right now. <laughs> it is so cold where I am. <laughs> so cold. I, and I'm just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for it, any of it. Supposed to snow on Friday? Not ready for that. What do, you, what do you have to do? I, I've lived in Florida my whole life. What do you do to get ready for snow? Here's what you do. You go downstairs into your basement if you're lucky enough to have one, and you get all the like hats and mittens <laughs> and scarves and all that stuff. And then if you have a kid, you then go through everything and realize nothing fits. I mean, scarves are kind of simple, but like gloves and snow pants, like nothing fits. And then you realize, oh, crap. I have to go to a store and buy some or, things. Or find somebody with slightly yeah, older kids or slightly larger kids. I don't. I, I'm the passer down uh, in my circle. Like, I don't have that kid. I got to find that kid because it would be very affordable <laughs> if I could. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be 80 here on Friday. Yeah. Shut up. Well, at least uh, from right. where you're sitting, Brad, you can, you're staring into a toasty fireplace. That's true. It's nice and warm here, mainly because half the state is on fire. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make fun. Martha Quinn, our good friend Martha Quinn, lives in Malibu, and I texted with her the other day, and she has evacuated and is safe. So That's good. Um, oh. Our thoughts and prayers and our federal funding to all of you out there in California, um, <laughs> stay safe. In the meantime, 
Jen has picked an excellent topic for this week's show. But we're not going to get to it until we go through my topic for this week's show. Are you ready? <laughs> it was a compromise, people. <laughs> so here's how we're going to do it. First half of the show, we're going to talk about turkeys of the 80s. These would be um, miscues, fiascos, snafus in either movies, music, pop culture, business. And then um, after a short commercial break, which I know everybody adores, everybody adores, (laughs) you know who I'm looking at, we will uh, gather again around the table and hold hands and talk about what we're thankful for, either from the 80s or beyond. So let's get this kicked off. Brad, I know you spent yesterday deep, deep, deep in the 80s to research us this. What is your first turkey of the 80s? I took a bullet for you, 80s Nation. I took a bullet for you. Last night, I paid cash money and sat down in my chair for two hours and watched the 1987 film Ishtar. Move the camel. Move the camel. The camel. Move the camel. Move the camel. Where? Anywhere is on my foot. Oh. (sighs) Sorry. What the hell's the matter with that camel? Is he blind? Yeah. Wow, you're so committed, Brad. It was atrocious. No kidding. Have you seen it before ever? I've never I'd never seen it. I'd never seen it. And wow. I know now why. Okay. So just a little recap. So Ishtar, the 1987 film starring Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman. You're like, oh, Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman. That sounds pretty good. It's kind of in the mold of a Bob Hope, Bing Crosby on the road movie without any of the fun or humor or anything. I mean, Salaries. It's, yeah, well, okay, that's true. I, I mean, I think this is a case where, like, the Hollywood I owe you a favor system went too far. Warren Beatty owed Elaine May a favor because she had done an uncredited rewrite on Reds. And she had also done an extensive rewrite on Tootsie, also uncredited. So that kind of got Dustin Hoffman in while Warren Beatty was trying to find something for Elaine May to direct. And it just, it's just, just Hollywood excess. It just spun out of control. The budgets went, you know, balloon after balloon. There was a point at which there were three full editorial teams working on three different cuts of the movie. It it just is insane. So, so the production was a little kind of cursed just by it's the weight of the people involved, but the movie is terrible. It's terrible. You know, there's some people in Stuck in East Land who love this movie. I, I'm not one of them, but they I know wrong. Our, our good friend Chase Squires has, has lobbied me many times to do a show exclusively on Ishtar so he can come on and defend its honor. I know that there are really? there are reviewers that, like when the Blu-ray came out, there was a spate of press, like in maybe 2013 or so when the Blu-ray came out, saying, you know, this isn't as bad as it was. We got a bad rap because that you know they were mean to the press, and so the critics savaged it. But no, I think it's objectively a terrible movie. I don't really understand what people see in it that think it is good. So if you are one of those people, 80s Nation, let me know. Oh, they'll let you know. Please do. Please do. You know, Brad, I saw this in the theater. Ooh. I'm really sorry, Jennifer. Well, no, only because I snuck in from another. Remember when you you could do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fr- some friends, some friends and I were watching another movie. It ended. We snuck in and watched part of this movie, and we were just kids at the time, and we thought it was bad, and we were just kids. <laughs> what did we know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm famously easy to please in the movie theater. I mean, if it's if it's up there at 24 frames a second, I'm going to find something in it that I like. 
but it just, oh, I just, my forehead hurt at the end of this from smacking myself so many times. Well, the good thing is it's two hours long. That's true. That's, that's long. I, I, I want my crap to be like 90 minutes tops. I think all movies should be 90 minutes. I, I concur. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of the short form of art in the 80s, Jen, I understand you have a video you'd like to rip in our list of turkeys of the 80s. Indeed, I do. So this is a video for the song uh, Dancing in the Streets, not the Motown classic by Martha and the Vandellas, but the 1985 duet between David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Focusing a little bit on the on the video here, I'm hoping we can link to it somehow. Can we do that, Steve? Absolutely. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. All sorts of magic. Because you kind of have to watch it. So, so let me just give a little bit of background. It was, uh, as I said, in 1985. The point of it was to raise money for Live Aid, and the the plan was to perform the track together live. So Bowie would perform it in Wembley Stadium and Jagger at JFK Stadium, and then someone realized that because of the satellite link up, there'd be like a half a second delay. So it would be that, more than that, but yeah, it would, it would yeah. be really, really hard to synchronize those two things. Right, exactly. Um, especially in 85, I imagine. But either Bowie would have to, you know, lip sync or Jagger would have to lip sync. One of them would have to, have to, and then neither of them wanted to. So how they solved this dilemma was in June of that year, um, David Bowie was recording the Absolute Beginners soundtrack at Westside Studios in London. So what they did was had Jagger fly to record the track there. According to the internets, a rough mix of this track was completed in four hours. And then nine nine hours later, the song and the video were completed. You can't can't tell at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So the video before, before I comment on it on the video. It was shown twice at Live Aid, which do either of you remember that happening? No. 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 I mean, I watched a lot of that thing, and I I don't remember it being shown twice. Anyway, the video, I don't want to call it the Ishtar of music videos, although there is kind of a duet thing happening there, too. But You're right. Are they both really bad songwriters, though? I think it might be a little unfair to label them to Ishtar. But they're not great dancers, despite the title... (laughs) the song and i i rewatched it and i'm thinking to myself was i as a kid watching this embarrassed for them because <laughs> watching it as an adult i'm kind of embarrassed for them because it's just goofy and they both are emoting and obviously they're like looking they, they don't look like they're having fun to me they look like they're trying yeah. to finish this video in which they look like they're having fun and that's yeah. kind of a bummer i don't know it's it's i, I guess it's a turkey i mean it's not harmful but it's not yeah yeah. hour nine can't wait for this to be over have to smile a little bit longer running out of cocaine oh boy the feeling i have when i watch this video is i just feel sorry for everybody because this is like one of those things where any i feel like somebody should have just raised their hand and said you know what i know this sounded like a good idea and we had great intentions but this is the sort of thing that 30 years from now, people are really going to mock us for. Or maybe when a I say, couple years when later. When I say 30 years from now, I mean 30 minutes from now. Oh, God. <laughs> you oh. should have known that sometimes, I mean, we have done podcasts before where we finished it and we, and we said, 
you know, <laughs> not our best work. <laughs> not our finest hour. <laughs> you want to get? Let's get back together in a couple of weeks and try again. Yeah, and the thing this, is, like, they're in it. The two of them are in the video for the entire thing. Yeah, like, no, there's it's not no that. breaks or anything. You just are looking at them and they're goofy dancing for that whole whatever yeah. it is, three minutes. Ay ay ay. Unlistenable um, and unwatchable. I just want to throw in one fun fact about this video, which I did not know and don't remember. And I'm curious if you guys did. Dancing in the Streets, the video was shown in movie theaters before Ruthless People. And I guess really? Jack recorded the, the theme song for Ruthless People, but I don't remember this at all. I remember no. the song Ruthless People, and I remember seeing the movie, but I can't swear to God that I saw it in a the theater. Yeah, me either. Love that movie. One, <laughs> what, I do too. I'll watch it anytime it's on. So real quick, Live Aid, you mentioned that, and this reminded me this weekend, I saw a documentary that I'd never even heard of that the BBC did, I think in 2005, called Live Aid Against All Odds. The whole thing's on YouTube. It's three hours long, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to watch this whole thing. And <laughs> 10, minute, 10 minutes into it, I was completely hooked. You got to watch this if you have any fondness for Live Aid. They interview everybody. I started watching it at work the other day, and I realized I really shouldn't be watching this at work. And so it's, it's I'm going to save it for later tonight. Uh, it's great to see Midjur's girlfriend just light into Bob Geldof. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It get, gets a little salty. <laughs> Count me interested. So we've, we've talked about the unwatchable and the unlistenable. How about the undrinkable? In 1985, we got one of the biggest turkeys of the 80s, New Coke. Recently, an independent research firm ran a taste test between Coke and Pepsi, and the taste more people chose was the taste of Coca-Cola. Yes, more people all across the country, when comparing Coke to Pepsi, chose the taste of Coke as the better taste. Let's look at it this way. We gave America a choice, and more people said, Coke is in. It's a hit. It's a Coke. Coke is in. You guys remember this, right? I mean, everybody remembers this. This is like remembering the first time you had... I want to say sex, but even bad sex is better than new Coke. I mean, come on. <laughs> wow, there's a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, don't send me any T-shirts that say that. New Coke came out in 1985. At the time, Coca-Cola was really having a rough time. Uh, diet soft drinks had taken off. Non-Cola drinks were becoming popular again. And so Coke started doing these blind taste tests to just kind of get a, a feel for the the audience out there. And what they found was in a blind taste test that people liked Pepsi more than Coke. And Pepsi, I don't I mean, I don't know if you guys are Pepsi or Coke drinkers or, or if you drink soda at all. Coke or a Coke household. Yeah, Coke Classic or Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So uh, Pepsi I, I'll drink with my wild turkey if I have to. <laughs> but generally speaking, I avoid it like the plague. But the taste test came back, and people were, were preferring the sweeter taste. So Coca-Cola reformulated the the brand that they should never have touched and gave us new Coke. And I remember it hit about the time I think I went to Europe for the summer, and Europe still had old, regular Coke. And so we were so happy that we, we had like this brief window month where we could yeah. still drink the old stuff because we were too stupid enough to realize hey we're in europe maybe don't drink soda maybe enjoy the wine and the beer instead <laughs> but we, we drank the old coke we came back new cokes around 
And you know, New Coke survived until they rebranded it as like I think Coke Two, but it survived all the way to two thousand and two. Yeah, it was on the shelves for quite a while. Yeah, but uh, the regular Coke came back three months later as Coca Cola Classic, and uh, that's the end of that turkey. Brad, I understand you have a story about a car. Big surprise. Oh, I got a quick one for you. When we started talking about turkeys of the 80s, this popped to mind. And this might be slightly controversial, but I'm sure, as we've said before, the, le- the listeners will let me know. I'm going to talk a little bit about the DeLorean DMC-12. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal... Look out! You take this car out of Back to the Future and it would be nothing but a punchline. It was just a terrible car. I think it's a punchline even inside Back to the Future. I think it gets a lot of lift from being the, you know, the the third member of the triumvirate okay. and Doc and Marty. But I mean, look, the, the Gullwing doors look cool, but they were problematic. You couldn't roll the windows down in that car because of that. <laughs> The stainless steel body, it made the car really heavy. They were hard to repair, expensive to keep. The interior is like total plastic 80s garbage. And the engine is this tiny little V6 that's completely underpowered for something that they're selling as a sports car. And the other thing is, it was the reason it was the DMC-12 was because it was supposed to cost $12,000 list. Actual street list price when they started selling it was $25,000. If you throw maybe another $3,000 in the pile... You can get a Porsche 911 SC at that point. Have you ever so. sat in one? Have, you ever, have any of us been inside a, a DeLorean? No. I've sat in one at car shows, yeah, because it's considered a British mark because they were made in North Ireland. They will show up at British car shows sometimes, and I do have a British car, as you might know. So I have sat in one, and I'm like, wow, this thing's extraordinarily cheap inside. Hmm. <laughs> I'm extraordinarily cheap inside. That's is okay. Back, is there a back seat? Uh, oh, I don't believe Jen. so. <laughs> oh, come on. Ouch. I think it's just a two-seater. I'm assuming it's a two-seater, but let me check real quick. Oh, well, you know, in the movie, Jennifer sits on his lap, so it, I, yeah. I oh, guess. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, well but there's done. all that gear in the back. When I think of the gullwing doors, like I think of it outside of the movie, and I think of it like in real life, and you like go to the mall and you park your car, and I just imagine like the door like, not being able to open all the way and like hits all the cars on other side, you know, on either side of it. Yeah. Cause there's got yeah, so, I, need so much clearance to open. I don't I know what say. the clearance needs would be there. I, yeah, I don't know, but it is a two seater. You're absolutely right. Oh, interesting. That's the first time I've ever been right about a car. <laughs> oh, I, I doubt that. Do you want to hear the first time we were ever wrong about a song? We opened the show with it and a lot of you are probably a little baffled by this song. Uh, this is actually the number two song in the charts for 30 weeks in England back in 1984. This is Agadu. Admit it. Had anyone heard this song before this week's show? No, sir. That's good. So I don't even know how I came across this. It was just one of those weird kind of days where you find stuff you're not supposed to find. You know, like (laughs) 
like when you're in your parents' closet and you're looking for Christmas presents, but you find something completely different and you're like, uh oh. It's that kind of it was that kind of day for me. So Agadoo is a novelty song, obviously, performed by a band called Black Lace. They are basically a duo of performers, Colin Gibb and Alan Barton. They basically specialized in novelty songs for their entire career. This one, however, spent 30 weeks in the top 75. It went on to become the eighth best-selling single of 1984. And this all despite the fact that BBC Radio 1 would not play the song because it was, quote, not credible. (laughs) I I love the English so much. (laughs) Anyway, so it's it's been around forever. It still surfaces at weddings, I understand, across the pond. When we first started talking about turkeys of the 80s, I, I thought I have to find something that just truly feels like it's the the sweet potato casserole of the day. And to me, this is it, you know, complete with the melted marshmallows and the whole shebang. I'm going to start using that as an insult, I think, in my everyday life. <laughs> well, you call people an agadoo? Like, Ishtar yeah. is not credible. <laughs> I can't enough. watch this movie. It's not credible. You kind of have to say it like it, with a pause and like kind not of looking credible. over the tops of your glasses. You know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of movies that are not credible, Jen's going to wrap this up. She remembers a movie from 1986 that we should all agree upon is not credible. Jen, what do you got for us? Ay, ay, ay. So there, I was thinking about different movies, and I think we've talked about Howard the Duck. And I mean, there's a bunch of not credible movies that, that could have been turkeys. And for some reason, this one sprang to my mind because it could have been kind of funny, maybe. It is Soul Man from 1986. Get back, Dorothy. I'll handle this. I'm warning you, I'm, I'm armed. What's happening, brother? Get down, get down. Looking good, mama, looking good. Well, I got to be going now. Did he have a knife? I think he had a knife. So this came out, this quote comedy came out. It was starring the lovely and talented Radon Chong. Ari Gross was in it. James Earl Jones. And... My crush from the Outsiders, Pony Boy himself, C. Thomas Howell, starred in it. He had a series of maybe potential turkeys. This one, I feel like maybe did him in. I'm not quite sure. But okay, so <laughs> you guys have seen Soul Man, right? You're familiar with oh, the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tommy Howell plays Mark Watson who is the the son of these this, in this rich family and that he gets into Harvard Law School because probably connections and then his family won't pay for it so he has to figure out a way to pay for Harvard Law School what he winds up doing and i feel like Ari Gross might be involved <laughs> in this part of it um but he gets these tanning pills and takes a bunch of them so that his skin turns dark enough and then he applies to Harvard Law School for a scholarship for African Americans and he uses the scholarship. And yes, he's in for most of the movie in blackface. So even through, and I know lots has happened since then, but even through 1986, I remember being as a kid, like something feels weird <laughs> as I was watching it. <laughs> something just doesn't feel right about this movie. And beyond the politics of it, it was just a sucky movie. It just was not a good movie. It wasn't very funny. 
the romance. I, even though I think they actually became a couple right on Chong They did. They did. Uh, yeah. yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah, I do not think they had much chemistry. And that was kind of the whole turn of the movie was their romance together. Um, right. yeah. Anyway, not a great movie. Although that said, if you don't like turkey, there, there, you might like a little, you know, you might like a little bit of white meat, or you might like, no pun intended, or you might like, or you, you know, like, like you might. Went, you I might, can't believe she went there. No, no, no. You might like the stuffing here. I'm, I'm just going with this analogy because I'm not sure where I'm headed. <laughs> but there's one line that I think, and I've always thought is so funny in that movie, and it's when he is in blackface, but everyone thinks he's black, playing basketball with a bunch of white guys. And his name is Mark Watson, as I've said. And at one point, they pass the ball to him and call him Marcus. And at another point, they call him Washington. So they have changed his name from Mark Watson to Marcus Washington, which I always have thought is the funniest line and the only funny part of that entire movie. Can, I, I, hate, I hate to do this. I, I, I agree with everything you say about the blackface being inappropriate. And there are a lot of inappropriate jokes in this movie. But I, 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 really, enjoy, I, I really enjoyed it at the time, even though I knew those things were bad. I'm like, these are bad. This shouldn't be funny. I remember just wincing at times. But I thought the rest of the movie, I mean, Ari Gross is hilarious. James Earl Jones is just doing his, you know, Harvard Law professor. Yeah, he's doing his best James Earl Jones. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not a horrible movie. It's just a horrible idea for a movie. <laughs> And maybe at the time I was like too mad at the injustice of her not getting the scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it just it, there wasn't enough conflict in it or something. Like it just felt too it, something. It all comes around in the end. I mean, like everyone sort of kind of gets what they deserve. They learn their lessons. Yeah, I mean, as 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 we like to do in the eighties, we everything has A to valuable lessons kind of like, learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just I if we were on today, I would watch it, but I would just like get up and make a drink during the really uncomfortable scenes. And maybe that makes me a bad person. And let's face it, I am a bad person, but that's okay. It's actually, it's not okay. This is like the happy go lucky Thanksgiving show. Anyway, you can just delete that. Okay. <laughs> How much of it? <laughs> From the moment I just said, you know what? It's not a bad movie. <laughs> just keep all of it. Keep it yeah, in. I just keep all of it. I in. honestly, I don't think I've seen this since it was out in the theaters, and I remember very little of of it or of my reaction at the time. So I'd like to sit here and say I was evolved enough to to see it at the time and be like, "This is just a, atrocious, horrible." But I probably enjoyed it on some level because I'm a terrible person too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll say this isn't a Howard the Duck turkey. I would say it's like a very small, like serving for one turkey. Not a huge turkey, but like a, a Cornish game hen. Yes, perfect. There you go, nailed it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I know there's a lot of other turkeys out there that we could have discussed today. We we did like jot down a really quick list here. I'm just going to run through these real fast, and maybe we'll do a turkeys part two show next year because this was kind of fun. But some of the honorable mentions for turkeys of the '80s, all the stars on 45 stuff, and I mean all of it, even the stuff I torture people with during big '80s trivia. Uh, Millie Vanilli, I think, would have to be there. Does anyone That's remember more a cautionary the, uh, tale than a turkey? Don't you think? I mean, <laughs> history has been kinder to them than than maybe it was at the time. Does that make any sense? As much as I allow it to be, who remembers the smokeless cigarettes from R.J. Reynolds in the late late eighties? That was a big no. snafu. It pretty much no. cost R.J. Reynolds their uh, company. 
Uh, Pepsi AM. Anybody remember Pepsi AM? 1989? Mm, you made no. That up. No, no. It was actually intended to be a breakfast cola. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I want that. I do drink Diet Coke for breakfast quite often. So that to me, there already is a, a breakfast cola. The Apple Lisa computer was um, a big snafu. I think I think it came out and it was listed at like $9,000 to buy one when it finally came out. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. The E.T. Atari game. We've talked about this before on the show. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we, uh, laser discs, which I think are more of a 70s thing. And I'm going to say it. Even though I'm gonna know, I know I'm gonna get a towel whip in the ass for this one. Betamax, you're wrong, Steve. You're just wrong. That wasn't a turkey. People bought it. It so may have lost. It may have lost the the format wars, but I don't think it was a turkey, or else it wouldn't have been in the format wars to start with. So you're saying it's more of a Thanksgiving ham than a Thanksgiving turkey? I think you're a Thanksgiving ham. That's true. I'd like to have some Thanksgiving turkey. How about Lifesaver soda? Anyone remember that? No, no, what meal do you drink that one at? <laughs> That's your <laughs> mid-afternoon with your cupcake. Came at <laughs> two-liter bottles. They look like a, a giant roll of Lifesavers, and they all came in fruit flavors. Pretty nasty. <laughs> That's awful. Don't we have Crush for that? How about the McDLT? Love uh, the McDLT. I, I love, love the McDLT. McDLT. Yeah. I actually, I, have I told this story? Yes, I have. I won 10 McDLTs on the radio when they first came out. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, that, it was I, amazing. I was, kid, I was like, science is so amazing. First McNuggets and now this. I love the Hot DLT. side hot and cold side cold. What will they think of next? Unbelievably Just don't genius. put lettuce on your burger. Anyway, in television. Anyone here own an Intellivision? I did. Did you like Katie it? Katie had one. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I remember uh, playing baseball and poker. That was it. Yeah. Nice. Anyone own a Kodak disc camera? No, sir. No. Well, that was kind of cool. I had one of those. I think I took that with me to Europe where I drank all the classic Coke. And uh, <laughs> last but not least, the United States Football League. <laughs> oh, didn't we just talk about them? Yeah, yeah, yeah Express. we keep bringing them up. We're going to keep bringing them up until someone acknowledges that we're bringing it up. Okay. Hey, this episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by Hymns a new wellness brand for men. Look, it's just a fact of life, my friends. If you're stuck in the 80s, you're also probably stuck in your 40s or 50s. And that means your glorious 80s mullet or your feathered hair look isn't coming back. Hey, my hairline is in full retreat. I look more and more like Zur from The Last Starfighter every day. But that's cool, okay? Because I know that 66% of men lose their hair by age of 35, and I'm 51 and I still have like three quarters of it. I don't know why I'm so angry. Do you sound mad? <laughs> and yet, you are. But I am the last star fighter. Anyway, there's something you can do about all this, and it's forhims.com. They're a partner of Stuck in 80s, and they're a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and uh, 80s movies references. There's no crazy medicine here, just real doctors with real solutions. And forget about having to make that awkward trip to the doctor's office. We're going to fix it all right now here online. Just answer a few quick questions, a doctor reviews them, and then they can prescribe the right products. Stuck in the 80s listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So here's what you need to know. Zor, Last Starfighter, forhymns.com slash 80s. 
That's Zor, <laughs> the last Starfighter. <laughs> Ignore those two things. Just go to F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash eight zero S. You do that, you're that much closer to returning to 80s hair glory. <laughs> hey, we're back. We have a few minutes left. I thought um, we must entertain Jen's idea as touchy-feely as it is and how uncomfortable it's going to make me and Brad feel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They can't t- take the earnestness. They can't do I've, it. <laughs> I've got the robot voice already. Things that we're thankful for. This is what I dread every year at Thanksgiving dinner is when we all have to hold hands, you know, and say what we're thankful for. I, I pray I pray to whatever God I have every year that this doesn't happen to me at Thanksgiving, that it's more of a buffet situation, and we just have to mutter our way through like a 30-second prayer instead. But every once in a while, some in my family has the idea that, oh, no, no, we're going to all talk about what we're thankful for. And we all hold hands. And then I get stuck between like my uncle and my nephew. So it's three dudes holding hands talking about uh, what they're thankful for. Their feelings. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable, huh? I know. Uncomfortable. I, 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 the whole Zor Starfighter thing has got me all stirred up now. I'm, I'm sorry. There's some rage that has to be let off. So I'm going to go third. Okay. <sighs> Brad. Can I you, ask something else? Why with the hand holding? Like, why <laughs> you keep mentioning holding hands? It's a, it's a, it's a thing our, with my family. Our family does that too, I think. Yeah. Oh. But I try to arrange it so it's like boy, girl, boy, girl, just so it's not so weird. But huh. if you get my cousin, my cousin Julie, if she's one of the persons, her deal is at the end of it, she like squeezes your hand. Like a, like a, I love you squeeze. Aww. But she That's does it to me. She does it to me just knowing it irritates me. Did she squeeze it three times like I do my daughter? Three times means I love you. No, she does it once. Oh, kinda like, that's sweet. I don't know what <laughs> once means. Eh. It's leave. Yeah, it's, eh. Go. <laughs> that's cute, though, the three squeezes. Yeah. It is. Let's just hope that doesn't like make that. it back to, the, to my family. I get three times more awkward. Brad. I'll, uh, I'll talk to your mom about it next time I see her. <laughs> Say hi to your mom for me. <laughs> First time I ever got a chance to use it. Go ahead, Brad. So, okay, let me get this started. So, yes, I did push back on Jen when she first uh, sent this idea. And uh, according to Steve, I was uh, zinged pretty good. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm here to participate. So I sat down and I thought about, you know, like, "Mm, is this things I'm thankful for now? Is it things I'm thankful for then? And I thought about, like, music that kind of helped me through the awkward adolescent years. (coughs) <coughs> Devo, <coughs> and I thought about the fateful classified ad that I answered that led me to working with my future wife. But when I sat down for a second and thought about it, the, the real answer was obvious. And the thing that I am thankful for from the 80s that helped me through that amazing decade was, are you ready for this? High school band. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm I, and, lo, and let me tell you why. I'm just I'm very thankful for those experiences in in retrospect because I yeah, it's it's nerdy as hell and I'll own it. But those people, they were my tribe. You know, they were my people and I have so many fond memories of my time with those people. My friends in high school were and in many cases still are band people. When I changed high schools before my senior year, when I walked into the band room in my new school, I felt like I was already kind of halfway there, you know, like I knew what those people were about because I knew what band people were about. And and that actually kind of did work. I don't think I really realized how much that helped me transition to my, you know, from my grapes of wrath to my, you know, local Cali OC lifestyle. But I do think it helped. Holy shit, I'm going to start crying right now. I oh, know, sh- I'm tearing up over here. I'm, I'm not like kidding. Oh, you guys. Yeah. 
Good job. That's nice. Jen, what is, uh, what is it you're most thankful for? Well, so I, my idea <laughs> was things we're thankful for from the 80s, right? So that was kind of where I was going with this. Um, I, the, the first thing I thought of was, uh, and I've talked about it before briefly, was Night Flight, which is on, what used, is on, oh, I wish, used to be on USA Network on Friday nights and Saturday night for hours. I don't know if it was like two fo- to seven back-to-back episodes, but it was like on all night Friday, all yeah. night Saturday. When you are in junior high, that's all you've got to do is watch TV. So I was thinking, how much, why do I love Night Flight so much? And I really honestly think that it changed the way I looked at a lot of stuff at that point on and forever for the rest of my life. So Night Flight gave us things like, gave, gave me, I'll speak for myself, introduced me to Spike Lee and yeah. independent film, like introduced me to that whole idea that you didn't have to spend a lot of money on a movie and it could still be an amazing, uh, well-written, well-acted movie. So it gave us that. It gave us, I've, I've talked with much love about um, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. That was something I, I uh, got from there. Plus punk rock in general because they used to play like punk music but they'd also play punk um documentaries and and follow bands around and stuff i mean Mm -hmm. it was just an awesome show and it completely changed my ideas of like what music could be and what movies could be and and just totally sort of redirected me into a a less path less taken i guess okay so absolutely i'm thankful for night flight i want to mention really quick i'm thankful for judy bloom Steve always makes fun of like the three female listeners. I know there are many, many more of us out there. But Judy Bloom, most of her books were written in the 70s. There were a couple in the 80s. But if you were anything like me, just a nerdball who read all the time, I just devoured all of Judy Bloom's books. And like, kind of like Night Flight, she changed my ideas about a lot of things about sort of how the world worked and how people worked. And that was huge. That was like really a big deal to help me be empathetic about other people who weren't like me. But also she was so good at writing kids and writing teenagers that you always felt you were reading about yourself, which is kind of a magical thing. And then the last thing I'll say is, Brad, you mentioned nerds. I will say nerds like you and you, Steve, and everyone else that's listening right now, because I never knew how much fun thinking about this stuff because i used to do it by myself and i used to kind of talk about music and pop culture and stuff from the 80s with my best friend but it wasn't until stuck in the 80s where i was like oh other people do it too (laughs) it's super validating and it's also super fun so that's the other thing i'm thankful for from the 80s is all of you who are the 80s now to me too it's it's i don't know oh oh that is it dusty in here? <laughs> ah, allergies. I'm giving you the three squeezes right now, Steve. Oh. Would yours mean you go last? <laughs> You're like a mind reader. Yeah. I, I, this my my list keeps evolving. It evolved even while Brad was talking, and 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 more so when Jen was talking. The I'm thankful for the music of sticks, which I don't think those words have ever come out of my mouth before. But when I was a, a very, very young teenager, I, I used the album Cornerstone as sort of my template for understanding what it was like to to have a crush on somebody. They, they had a song called First Time. And when I interviewed Dennis DeYoung, uh, you know, 
some 35 years later, uh, I even told him about that song. And I think it happened during our, our off-the-record conversation. We ta- I talked to him about what it meant to me as a, as a young person trying to understand what my heart was doing. So I, I thank them for that. Um, I don't know if I've done anything with that knowledge, honestly, <laughs> over the remaining 35 <laughs> years of my life. But, but it's there. Someday I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll take hold. It's the first time, the first time for love. There could be so many worlds and mountains we could climb together, the two of us. Tonight, yeah, yeah. The 80s crews, honestly, I, I have to thank them because they've brought my close friends even closer together and it's allowed us to meet so many new people. And, um, and if I have to bring up something recently, cause it's been a rough year for me, uh, I have to thank, uh, the mouse house Disney for taking a chance on an unemployed 51 year old and giving me a job after I was unemployed for the first time in my life. Uh, I show my gratitude every day by playing with my Tron and Sark Funko pop figures in my cubicle. So those are just some of the things um, that I would hold your hand and talk about if it were Thursday. Oh, nice. All very credible. This is all nice. very credible. <laughs> hey, all kidding aside, it's tough for all three of us to kind of express the level of thanks that we have for everything that Stucky Knees has brought us over the last 13 years. Hopefully we've brought you some joy too. When, when we first started this adventure, it was just a diversion from work. It was a chance to play with a new toy with absolutely no expectations that anyone would actually listen. But you did listen, and you emailed us uh, from Russia, from the South Pole, from Scotland, Mexico, Germany, Kankakee, Illinois, Washington, D.C., you name it. And so many of you have become close friends, uh, lifelong friends, I imagine. And like a true 80s act, when I think of Thanksgiving, my mind always flashes forward to the closing scenes of the John Hughes masterpiece Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, probably the definitive movie about Thanksgiving. The images of the home, of the hearth, and those magical musical notes of every time you go away. Uh, During a finale that just captures everything that's great about the 80s and Thanksgiving and what it means to be part of a family. The the sharing of laughter, uh, of secrets, heartbreak, celebration tears to me this podcast has become a part of all of us the 80s nation the 80s family we like to call it and so until next time we'll be right here together one family but still hopelessly stuck in the 80s 